the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to Staff and Grab Podcast. I am Mike Stevens. Sitting virtually across me is the one and only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Doyer. Rachel, how you doing? I have just descended from the uh, stratosphere okay. that I was sent to this morning. So Tom Brady um, <laughs> is in his like post breakup, like retirement. I'm on a beach all the time. <clears throat> Apparently, there's like a militaristic. Incident happening outside my apartment right now because um, you can hear all these say. sirens. Um, he's in his his post his post divorce you know retirement and 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 he tweeted a thirst trap today and let me tell you folks Rachel Dory uh, needs to be sent to horny jail. We are <laughs> we are recording uh, like she texted me this at ten forty five a.m. on a Monday morning. You know the stock market is open. You know like business. Like, Which is what I should be doing, let's clarify. Biz, like, like, business hours are in effect, and Rachel Dory is thirsting over Tom Brady. Um, uh, so, just a ceremonial bonk uh, to you. Um, I'm back from, from All-Star Weekend. I'm exhausted. Um, no, Shockingly, no uh, like, like flight mishaps on my way there, or my way back. Who did you fly with? Ryan Kennedy. No, no, no. Oh, Amer- American Airline. Airlines, who who completely screwed us last time. Um, so <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, I'm kind of shocked, because I was going to say, like, if you're flying to Florida, yeah. I probably would have gone Delta. Well, we had a, we didn't do direct, we did, we, connecting flights, like, to, through Philadelphia all the time. Which, oh, weird. Which, by the way, um, so Philadelphia, just be, being able to see it from up top, um, they have a... Uh, uh, they have first of all i saw the balloon in the sky ah uh, yes the very definitely dangerous balloon for sure literally we were flying and the captain came on like the the, the flight captain came on the pa and was like uh, hello folks uh if you look out your window uh you can see the balloon that is there and it was cool um anyway but uh, uh by looking by looking down on philadelphia i know this is a completely nonsensical um um, start to the podcast, but looking down in Philadelphia, their configuration for like sports venues is so weird because oh yeah, they're <laughs> like their 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 downtown is like a solid like twenty miles away from like Wells Fargo, Lincoln Financial or Lincoln Stadium and, or Lincoln Financial Field and um, um, Citizens Bank Park, which are like where the Phillies, Eagles, and Seventy uh, Sixers and Flyers play. But they're and all what's together. funny. What's funny is the Philadelphia 76ers practice facility, like where everything happens, all their offices, is in New Jersey. Yeah, it just it's it's not even in Pennsylvania, never mind Philadelphia. It's extremely dumb. I I, I do not get it. It but you know, I and I didn't see any of the city, just saw the airport. But you didn't lose airport. your bag. Didn't lose my bag. Even though they like I, I purposefully traveled light. Um like I only Did had you check a bag? They so they made they made us check a bag just because of lack of space in the overhead compartment on every flight that we had, 
which was extremely annoying because Ryan and Oh, I, but you didn't have to pay for it. Though. No, no, no. And well, like, okay. why would I? Why would I check a bag? I'm there for like, like, unless I'm literally like moving like myself to a place, I will not yeah. check a bag. I don't care yeah. if I'm gone for three weeks. I, it's just a carry on. That's all I need. Um, well, yeah, like you can do like there's these backpacking things, and like this is gonna sound terrible, but like I have my flight status mm-hmm. because of how much flying I've done over the past like few years. Um, and I see people who are like, oh, like I'll wait till the end. No, you bet when they call zone one, I am over there like first in line, no exceptions because the one time I actually when I didn't have my flight status and I had to check my bag at the gate, they lost it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, nope, not happening. So the second I got my status with the airlines, I have been like, person one or two in line and every single time there's always somebody in like zone five lined up and i always i'm like oh what zone are you because like you're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out like where you're supposed to be they're like oh you can't go ahead of me and i finally like i snapped once i was like you're in zone five i'm in zone one go and sit down no one cares like that's why they tell you like sit down and the one guy actually was in philadelphia it was in the philadelphia airport and i was flying air canada and the guy straight up was getting so frustrated that he's like i am not gonna board the plane until everybody who isn't in the zone that i called sits down mm. and he waited for like 20 minutes for everybody to sit down that's <laughs> well, he a he has an idiot <laughs> oh he's a total idiot but like he made his point uh i'm surprised people <laughs> did that i would have been like hey maybe shut your mouth and get on the plane <laughs> um all right so the all-star weekend happened it was Look, it was it was fun to be there. Obviously, like you know, I missed the minus thirty two days in Toronto or something. Like just by being in Florida, that was nice. Um, and and the media day was lovely. Um, like I would say, all the media availabilities, like what I was there for, were lovely. Um, we had a lovely media reception too. Um, that was really so nice. so I heard. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, and and what's funny enough is we didn't stay for the game because we didn't need to. Like there was like we already had everything we needed. You know, there was, we knew the game wasn't going to, unless like Bane attacked it or something, like there was not going to be any interesting stuff that, that went down there. Um, but the skills competition was the worst, like was, was legitimately unwatchable. It was. Yeah, w- and we'll get to that. Yeah. Like we're going to get to, to all of that. It was like, worse ugh. than you, like if you thought it was bad on TV, it was worse in person. And I will, I will tell you about it. But before we, before we, we get into, into that, like. The big, like the biggest sort of, tra- it's funny because this became the biggest transaction in New York sports for about seven minutes before Kyrie Irving got traded. Um, but, but Bo Horvat, before he even plays a game with the New York Islanders, has signed an eight-year contract extension worth eight point five million dollars per. No well, signing. Well, first of all, you skipped over the other part of it, which was he was traded to the New York Islanders. Did we not talk about that yet? <laughs> no, we did. You not. and Jesse didn't talk about that. Oh, geez. Okay. Well. He uh, uh, he was uh, he was traded in the New York Islanders for uh, Atu Ratu or Atu Ratu, however you want to pronounce that name. Um, it's Ratu. Yeah. Ratu. Okay, so Atu Ratu, um, Anthony Bavillier, and a protected 2023 first round pick, top 12 protected, which I think is nice. Um, so I guess we can just talk about the trade real quick before we talk about the extension. Um, am I wrong in thinking that that is? an underwhelming return to get for your team captain center who is on pace for like 55, 60 goals. Uh, no. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, first of all, I'm seeing a whole bunch of people 
say that Atu Ratu is going to be a second line center, and I'm here to tell you that you are out of your goddamn mind. Have you seen his skating? I teach 10 year olds that have better mechanics than that. And this is the difference. You and I talk about, we've talked about skating before and how I say it's the most fixable trait. Mm -hmm. And it is. The caveat on that is you could fix it if you have good stride mechanics. Bo Horvat is a fantastic example of that. Bo wasn't a great skater. Neither was John Tavares, actually, but they had good mechanics. Like, they had the balance, they had the edge work. They just, like, the way that they were generating the power was not the way that it should be. But the the extension was there, like, everything about how their stride operated was was there. There is a clip floating around the internet mm-hmm. from the past weekend of Atu Ratu skating, and I am not joking. And you know what? He's got a fantastic shot. That's fine. But to play center in the National Hockey League, you need to be a good skater. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I have seen 10-year-olds that have better stride mechanics than this guy. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's stupid to say that this is like an easily fixable thing because this is going to require a lot of work from Mackenzie Braid, who's the skating guy there, and the Sedins, who are the skill guys there. Like, it's going to require like a ton of work. And the other thing is people are like, oh, he's super smart. Uh, That's also incorrect. Um, He is average, average, and he benefits from being in a good system. The average hockey sense players will look better when they're in a good system. That's kind of how that works. And to be a center in the National Hockey League, not only do you need to be a good skater, you need to be able to read the play outside of the system because you need to be able to react. This guy is a winger, or at best, a third-line NHL center. So, like, I don't know about you, but I would have probably gone for the defenseman. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I... Like... (laughs) Look, it, it goes to show um, it goes to show where the bar is with the Canucks that I looked at this and I thought like, okay, like an like a first round pick and like a prospect who, yes, has massive flaws in his game, but is like was, you know, re- very highly touted and then yes. and then dropped in his draft year. But then has since, you know, been able to produce at the AHL level and, you know, looks pretty like looks pretty good in, on that front. Like I, I was very surprised to see how futures forward this this deal was. Now, obviously, Anthony Beauvillier is – he's actually a lot younger than I thought he was. Like, I legit thought he was, like, 28. He's, like, 25. So, yeah, he's our age. Yeah, he's our age, <laughs> so that's fine. But, like, uh, like, we're not prospects anymore, you know? No, but here's the thing. With, like, I'm not saying it's a bad trade. Like, at I, least, I am. <laughs> well, no, no, no. At this is like you said. This is how low the bar is. Yeah. At least they made the trade. Well, at least and at least they got like <laughs> some future assets. Like at least they got some stuff that will. Even though they don't want to do a rebuild, they at least got some stuff that will somewhat like help in a rebuild. They got another first round pick, although it's top twelve protected. So, you know, it's not going to. But be- like, you could have gotten like let's say you traded Horvat to Nashville. You could have gotten like. Jack Mateer, Philip Tomasino, a first round pick, like then you're really cooking, right? Or if you trade him to uh, Minnesota for I don't know what reason, like they have a bunch of prospects because Judd Brackett, who used to be the Vancouver Canucks scouting director, is now the Minnesota scouting director and they have 
umpteen million prospects to pick from. So, like, to me, why are you taking back salary on your best player? And why are you not getting a defensive prospect or a guy who's capable of playing higher than the third line yeah. at center right? Well, they're going like, to put him on the first line this year. Like, you, I guarantee you, Rick Tockett is going to put that, is going to put Anthony Bavilia on the first line. No, I, meant, I what I meant was uh, Ratu. Like, oh, oh, okay. why, if you're trading for a, a futures prospect, it needs to be in an area of need. Yes, it does. It it it, it like, boggles my mind, and I also want to like. And, and again, we'll we'll like we'll. I guess we'll transition out to the extension because I think that makes it just like a better trade for New York because they gave up a relatively ho hum package for a guy who's like you know like I said on pace to score fifty five sixty goals. You know he he is you know, being a captain and kept sort of like the lid on like the most chaotic organization ever. He's put up with so much stuff and still managed to not only just like develop, but develop as a human being. You never hear any bad stuff come out of Bo Horvat. And I have zero bad things exactly. to say about Bo Horvat. And like, I am, I was one of the happiest people over the weekend when I found out that this contract extension uh, was happening. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, like, like you said, the amount of that that guy, the amount of stuff that that guy has put up with has been astronomical this year. And, okay, we we skimmed over the first-round pick. That is unequivocally the best part of the deal. Absolutely. And that, that does have the ability to, like, tip or at least balance out the scales, maybe even tip it depending if they get, like, an Eric Carlson type of player. Like, if somebody falls, then yes, you know what? They may win this trade because they might draft that player. They're... Probably not, but... But it might happen. So we can't say unequivocally that they've lost the trade, like, for good, because you know what? They may either even out the trade or they may win it, depending on how good this first-round pick is. But right now, you've just traded your best trade asset for a bag of magic beans. Mm -hmm. And so the signing, so eight years, $8.5 million, it makes it, like, people are... are I think any time a big contract comes down the pike, the the the... the Instinct on Twitter specifically is what Lula Morello said. It's for everyone to say that's too long and that's too much money. And, you know, like just because there have been so many big contracts that have failed. But I look at this and I go, okay, Bo Horvat, you know, he's like, yes, he's riding a shooting percentage heater right now. Like, absolutely. But if you look at his, his career shooting percentage, it's literally like around like 16%. Like, oh, he's an excellent shooter. Like, he's an excellent shooter. He gets a lot of really, like, dirty goals in front. Like, he, he's very efficient. He's a very efficient player. And, um, and so like he's shooting like 24% or something right now. Yes. That's, that's quite the jump. But like, even if that comes down, that's like 35 goals. Like, so if you're looking at this, you go a, a very good offensive center, very good two way, um, you know, 27, just turning 28, you know, literally right in the middle of his prime. Um, going to be playing around players like Matthew Barzal, you know, guys like that. Um, and I go like, that's it. And even if it's even if he gives you his baseline, which I think last year his uh, uh, you know his thirty one goals, sixty one points, those are his career highs now. But I do think that now that he, like now that he's evolving now and all that, that can be somewhat of what like an average season of him looks like. Eight point five million dollars for like a second line center who gives you thirty goals and sixty to sixty five to seventy points every year. That's pretty good. Well, it's not even just that. I think a lot of people, first of all, they're like, oh, well, he's not going to score in the power play. Do you understand that Matt Barzell is one of the best passers mm -hmm. in the league? And therefore, it is more likely that Horvat, because he's playing on the same line yeah. now, 
is not only going to get more power play opportunities because he has better passing, but also like at five on five. The other thing that I think you made a great point about the point, like the, the goals and the points. So right now, I think the cap's like, what, $84 million? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So his cap hit is about 10 or 11 percent of the total cap. Mm -hmm. We also expect that two years from now, that cap is going to go up to closer to like ninety five million dollars, which means that Bo Horvat's contract will be about eight or nine percent of the cap. Eight or nine percent of the cap is effectively what William Nylander's contract mm. is. And are you going to sit here and tell me that William Nylander's contract is not valuable? Because you'd be silly to say so. So I think, yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. And I also... I and do, yes, I know Nylander is younger. I, <laughs> I, I also do think it is it is dangerous for us oh, to yes. make an argument on contracts being like, well, the cap's going to... Like, Cap's definitely going to go up because that's what a lot of people said. And then look what happened, right? Like, you know, and I'm not saying there's going to be another pandemic, but anything can happen, you know? So I don't trust basically, here's the thing I don't trust Gary Bettman um, at all. So, oh, I don't trust him either. But what I'm saying is, is like, you can't assume that for the, the yeah, lifetime, for the lifetime of an eight year yeah. contract that this is going to be worth 11% of the cap. It's just straight up not. Exactly. That's not how that works. It also, like, the Isles are very much in a win now mode right now yeah. like are they winning now no but they are in a win now mode and Bo Horvat they now get Bo Horvat at only 75% of his salary for the rest of the year um I think that's fantastic he's exactly what they needed like they like that team it's a decently constructed like you know defensive team right but that- so I think that the Islanders are missing goal scoring and they have a guy in Barzell whose chief offensive attribute is puck distribution but he's never really had like Brock Nelson's a goal scorer, fine, but not to this level. Um, so I think that we could be in for some level of bump here. But when Lou says it's too much for too long, I've been around Lou enough, to, and the the man who controls the Islanders cap, to know what that means. That means it's about a million dollars too much for a year too long. So in Lou's eyes, it should be seven by seven and a half. But there's no signing bonus money, which means mm, you could buy you out the contract out. if you need to. And if you're not doing sinus, signing bonus money, you absolutely have to capitulate about a million dollars on AAV. That is about mm. the threshold. So in order to have a... I don't even think they're going to need to buy Horvat out, to be quite honest with you. But no signing bonus money makes him far easier to trade if you need to. Um, makes his contract way more stomachable because you're paying it out over the lifetime of the contract as opposed to, like, all up front, right? And he's going to be 35 when it expires. And, like, that's actually not too bad. Yeah. Sorry, there's... Mike is having a full-blown, like... What the heck is going on around here? Jeez Louise. Um, No, you're 100% (laughs) right. Now, Rachel, I I personally love to have strapped myself to... My livelihood to a league where... um, a, a, like a good feature about long-term contracts that, is that one day it might be easy to buy them out. I love, <laughs> I, I love that. I, you, this clearly, not great. This clearly happens in the MLB and the NBA and the NFL who are all doing worse than the NHL. So clearly there must be something going right. Um, I look, I, I think that in the now this trade and then immediately getting, and then getting him signed to an eight year extension before he even plays a game with you. That's fantastic. 
um, that, that, that's a fantastic uh, piece of business for the Islanders. It addresses a serious key uh, um, team need. Uh, uh, that, without that, giving up anything. Without really giving up anything that you're going to... Off s- the roster, yeah. Like, Beauvillier is gone, but, like, he's immediately replaced and then some, like... He was a healthy scratch this year. Yeah, like, Beauvillier, he's, <laughs> he's just not doing well, and you shed a lot of salary in that regard, and you got them to retain, like... Dude, if that's the price for, for uh, uh, Bo Horvat, I, like, I... I, I shudder to wonder what they could possibly get. Like, what another team... Like, would it, like literally, if that's what they get for Bo Horvat, like, another team should offer them a conditional seventh for JT Miller and see if they take it. Like, it's... Like, that is... Oh, uh, they probably would to get that contract off the books, No, 100%. Quite, honestly. Like, it's... It hasn't... That contract hasn't even kicked in yet. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, yeah, baby. But I'm... I think at the end of the day, like, I'm just happy for Bo Horvat. Like, he's... The stuff that he has had to put up with this year, mm-hmm. like... If anybody deserves to maybe be overpaid by a million dollars, it is Bo Horvat. Let's talk about All-Star Weekend. So All-Star Weekend happened, or it wasn't, it was weekend, but I got there on Wednesday and I was there for a while. Like it, like I kept referring to it as weekend when I was, uh, you know, like writing and, and whatnot, but it's not, it wasn't a weekend. It was a week. It's a what week was, long. What was the best meal you had there? Mm. Oh my god. I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> um so we uh, uh like we weren't staying at the media hotel. Um but the like so but the media hotel um which is I believe the Western uh, the Western the Weston um in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, that's a nice hotel. It's a very nice hotel. We were walking around uh, we're, uh, you know, like that area and we're like, oh, I don't know where to eat. Okay. We'll just eat at, the, at like the Weston hotel restaurant. Like it's, you know, it's right out front. Like there's like a road and then the beach, you can see it. It's lovely. It's like Mexican themed, incredible chips and, and salsa. That's like complimentary that they bring right to your table. And I ordered the, uh, the brisket quesadilla. That's like the, might be the best Mexican food I've ever had in my entire life. That, that sounds incredible. That was incredible. Like Ryan, I was eating with Ryan. Ryan had um, a uh, just like a normal burrito, and he said that that was the best burrito he ever had. I didn't taste it, obviously, but like the brisket quesadilla was legitimately like the best Mexican food I've ever had. Like I would, I would give like a non-essential body part just for one more bite of it. I feel like at some point I'm gonna have to take you to my place in Mexico, where like I think so. They just the amount of like I picked this avocado off the tree this morning. Here is your avocado toast. It's like, wow. And it costs zero dollars. Yeah. Like, it's kind of wild. But that's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad. I i don't think I've ever heard of a brisket quesadilla. So that that actually sounds amazing. It's just a quesadilla with brisket in it. And it was freaking incredible. So what was your favorite moment of All-Star Weekend? Because like, it was your first kind of All-Star. Um, it could be anything. It could be something from like behind the scenes. could be something that like happened. Obviously, I only really saw um the stuff that happened on tv and then like the facetimes from like the various friends down there or like the snaps but like what was your favorite moment of just kind of the entire weekend well it's funny that like like you would have you sounded like chandler stevenson who was on you know when i talked to him he was on a uh, like he was driving with his family like with his wife and i believe his kid um to uh like to a vacation of their own and then got the call in the car that that he got you know, he was an all-star replacement. And so they literally just like did a U-turn and like went the other way and like went back. And I think they were close to Florida. So they just drove there, but like, it was hilarious. Um, see, the thing is like, it was, pr- it wasn't, 
I wish that there was more like like interest. I wish there were more interesting things that happened. Like there really aren't that many interesting things that that uh that go down like at All Star Weekend. Like it, like I didn't see any any wild players doing any feral things. You know, I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see any of that. It was just like. The one thing I will say, and it was very apparent, um, just because, like, j- just from media day and then, like, body language at the game and behind the scenes and all that, Kapri- Kirill Kaprizov did not want to be there. <laughs> Holy crap. He did How- not want to be there. <laughs> Literally didn't participate in the skills competition. Was His participation was Ovechkin Jr. babysitting. That was it. And, like, <laughs> he, I believe he had to participate in Tendi Tandem because everyone did. Um it will get to Tendi Tandem, the worst, Ooh. one of the worst decisions the NHL has ever made, ever. And that's that's a very high bar to clear. Um, but, like, he he spoke for a very short amount of time on Media Day. Like, there were, there were players up at their podium for, like, half an hour. Why didn't he just take the suspension? Why didn't you take a one-game suspension? Why don't you, like, try and work it out with your team? Where, so, like, like, Matt Boldy can go. Because, like, Matt Boldy would have had a legitimate case to be there. Yeah, or, like, Matt Boldy or, like, friggin', I don't know, like, Matt Zuccarello or someone. Like, I don't know. But it's, like... Yeah, there's not, like, a shortage of people on Minnesota. In the same way that, like, Seattle's number one in the Pacific, and, yeah, Beniers got hurt, and I get that, like, it's close enough. But in the NBA, like, guys get pissed when they don't get invited to all-star weekend oh like, yeah you gotta make it so that if maddie veneers goes down there's like five seattle guys that are like yo pick me pick me dude right like, i remember carl anthony towns the first time he got selected he um he like rented out like a movie theater yeah. near his house and like had his entire family and like his mom and like everyone there and like when like and then when eventually it got announced like they had this huge party and like oh and like rudy gobert cried in his in in a um in a scrum after learning he wasn't selected to the all-star game like he cried like he was like like as in sad yeah like, like people was... get pissed in the nba when they don't go and it's because the nba does such a great job and like i wrote that article about how i would tweak all-star weekend and i actually spoke to somebody in the nba about it because i was like nba has the best all-star weekend so i mean how hard is it like i know that bettman talks to adam silver and i know that marketing executives and and lee executives talk all the time like it's not difficult to be like, hey, like, how come your all-star is so successful? Can we shadow you? Like, it's an industry best practices thing that I think the NHL could do. And, like, if you think about it. So I actually worked for MLSE when uh, NBA All-Star was in Toronto. Um, and the guy I was with at the time was one of the high up. Like, he was a director. And um, it was all the NBA stars, even though it was, like, freezing cold Mm -hmm. they had a blast and i'm like why why is it that the nhl can barely get guys to go to florida meanwhile the nba has guys lining up to come to toronto when it's minus 25 out yeah and also (laughs) i want to i want to make it like apparent here too that like this was not like going to this all-star game like like it was yes you had obligations obviously you had to you had to attend a media day um, and it wasn't re- like you literally just had to speak for like 15 minutes and then go away. Like that's basically it. And then obviously you had to participate in skills and um, the actual all-star game. But like this was as close to a vacation 
as you're going to get if you're an NHL player. Like, the media day was held on the beach, basically. Like, I, like some of my, like, all of my audio that I recorded, like, I was listening back to it because I was transcribing a bunch today. And, like, I'm, I'm talking to, like, Leon Dreisaitl, and, like, you can hear the waves crashing in the background. That sounds terrible. You know? Like, I, like, I... Who would want to go there? I tweeted pictures and stuff. Like, you could, like, it's basically, you're, you're right on the beach. It is gorgeous. You, you talk to us, you know, dummies, for, like, 15 minutes, and then you go and you literally party in Fort Lauderdale, Florida either with your family or with a bunch of other, you know, athletes who um, you're likely good friends with. Um, and then the next day you do the same thing leading up until like, like five thirty or whatever, when you have to go to the rank to participate in like a fun skills competition. And then, ap- and then you party after that and you wake up the next morning and there's like an, there's a game, there's like a shinny game basically at three. It's the world's best beer league game. Exactly. And like, that's all you have to do. And on top of that, like, like, no one's pressuring you to do it. Like, you just, like, for some of the way, you know, like, more star-studded guys, yeah, they might have to go on a podcast, or yeah, they might have to do, like, you know, a TV interview on top of the, the normal media day interviews and stuff but like, like that. Elias but, like, Elias Pettersson did his, like, 32 Thoughts podcast. Yeah, lounging on the beach. down in a lounge chair, like, in a lounge chair on the beach, chilling. Like, it's, I mean... It's not that hard to all-star like. All Star Week, like legitimately, <laughs> All Star, the All Star Weekend, um, uh, like the All Star Weekend sort of festivities or experience was likely better than like a decent chunk this year specifically because it was in Florida was likely better than a decent chunk of like NHLers who didn't go their trips, like their vacations. Yeah. Like, I mean, like most NHL guys go. It's Turks and Caicos, Bahamas, Mexico. That's yeah, and, like, pretty that's much fun. where they go. So like yeah oh oh no chilling on a beach, okay well could, you can do that too. They chilled like. on a beach, getting drunk. They all got drunk, you know like like all you had to do was mix in a couple media appearances and do a skills competition and then like a fun three on three tournament and that's it. Like well, that and, and the thing about it is like it's on the NHL's dime. Like you're drinking yeah. and staying and whatever. So like it's a vacation for you and you have to spend like an hour or two a day doing something, but like. You're also not paying for it. And I get that, like, most of these guys, like, a trip is immaterial. But at the same time, like, if someone's going to say, hey, Rachel, like, you can do this and, like, everything, like, food, drink, everything, mm-hmm. accommodations are free. Uh, I don't care how much money I have. Like, I'm it. And you get to bring your, and, like, if you want to, you get to bring your family. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not like we're whisking you away from your family again. Like, oh, hey, hey, honey. You want to go to you want to go to Fort Lauderdale you want with the kid like f- with the kids you want to go to Fort Lauderdale stay in in a resort like drink eat do whatever and the only thing I have to do and keep okay let's pretend we're Kip- Kirill Kaprizov here we don't he have kids <laughs> yes but like let's pretend Kirill Kaprizov has kids but like, let's just pretend that right like okay so we're hey, Eric Carlson <laughs> sure you want to come down you want to like you want to come down to Fort Lauderdale um stay at like the nicest hotel in Fort Lauderdale. Um, eat, drink, party, relax on a beach, get catered to it, your every whim, um, all on the NHL's dime. And the only thing I have to do to like pay them back is, and keep in mind, this is just for Kirill Kaprizov, but like he went out, he spoke to the media one time all weekend. It was for 15 minutes at media day. So all I have to do is sit at a podium right on the beach with the, you know, with the sun, like in the shade, a beautiful breeze going, you know, the waves lapping behind me. And I talk to the, and I answer some extremely softball questions from the media um, 
for 15 minutes, then I go off and I can just get absolutely obliterated. And the next day, I don't have to participate in any hard events. All I gotta do is take a couple shots, look pretty, wear a reverse retro jersey, that's it. Like, it's the easiest, it's the easiest thing in the world, and I just don't... Like, the NHL needs to do a better job of selling this. They need to make it something. Uh, because... There were some. There were a lot of players that, and I like. I was going to write about this, but literally, I ran out of time because there was so much to do. Um, but like, there were a lot of players who were first timers there who were like really stoked to be there. Like Chandler Stevenson was really stoked. Kevin Hayes was really stoked. Jason Robertson was really stoked. Like guys like that. Um, well, even like Mitch Marner seemed super stoked to be there, yeah, and like David Pasternak. Like, look at the effort that those guys put in. It's like, it's not hard. It's not asking a lot. And like those guys put in more effort than like most of the other guys because they had like skits and stuff that they had to do. And like Sidney Crosby willing to go in a dunk tank, like. And that was so much fun too. Huge. And like Ovechkin showing up and like giving his kid that experience to me, like that was probably my favorite moment was the Crosby, Ovechkin, OV Jr. um, thing. Like I thought that was was really cool mainly because i'm a sucker for like mini hockey peoples you know like everybody on this podcast knows how we feel about mason and calling Mm -hmm. people old paint cans and sausages so like of course that that would be my favorite thing but to me like first of all the mascot game i've seen it it. i've seen it live like it's probably the best part of all-star weekend in terms of like entertainment value like stream that Stream that because if you want to, realistically speaking, the NHL needs to reach people that are our age and younger, right? Okay, well, if you want the younger generation, you need to have viral moments and you need to cater to like the young fan. What is the young fan invested in? The freaking mascots all the time. So use the mascots to your advantage, but then also you need to create viral moments. There's a reason that that Mason video and like any OV Jr. video and like any mini hockey kid video in warmup goes viral. It's because people love it. Like you need to create those moments. And if you create those moments, not only will it be good for fans, but then like imagine you're Eric Carlson and your daughter has the time of her life at All-Star mm-hmm. Weekend. Are you not more enticed to go? Because like, let's be honest, anybody can go to Disney World that can afford it. You and I, if we can afford it, we can go meet Mickey Mouse. That'd be sick. Can we stroll on and play hockey and chill with the mascots? No, we cannot. So, like, lean into the exclusivity of that and make it fun for the kids. Like, NJ Devil is the devil's mascot. Mm -hmm. He is one of my favorite professional mascots because he's so funny. Gritty. I mean, think you were my best friend when Gritty made me that happy birthday video. Like, I was almost in tears. Right. So I think I mean, I don't think it needs that much tweaking. The one thing I will say, though, is Tendy Tandem. Like, I don't ever want to see that again. Okay. I want to see Splash Shot again. I thought that was sick. Or like next year, it's in Toronto. Do something with the CN Tower in the Rogers Center. Do mm-hmm. something like that. Right. What's really cool is the two events that were the best were the ones that were pre-taped because they could cut them. They could cut out all the awkwardness and. Like, like there, like there was straight up a, a surfboard like malfunctioned. At, um, I saw that. And yet, like they cut it out, so we didn't have to wait around being like, oh no, like you know whatever. Like it was, it was great. Um, and then, and then for the golf stuff, I guarantee you there was a lot of boring walking in between holes and 
and and all that. But like those were the two events that that were the best in my opinion. Tendi Tandem was like the most unwatchable thing I've ever witnessed on a hockey rink. Like legit, it was. Like, keep in mind, there's like a packed press box of like 75 media people, maybe 100, who are like there to cover this game. And they had, and myself included, had no idea what the rules were. And then the rules didn't make sense. So if you, if a goal, if the goalie scores a goal from behind the net, the prize is to go on a three on O. Which could also like injure. That sounds like the opposite of what the prize should be. It should be if you score the goal, yeah, you get three points, but then three all stars have to come down on, like, bear down on you and try and score. Like, it should be if you score that goal, you only have to deal with a breakaway. Where if you miss it, then the then you have to like. It makes no the end. It, it was just it was unwatchable. I liked the concept of like we want to show off goalies' skills, but like I so make it a goalie goal competition. Yeah, like I. I I don't think that that's the way to do it. Um, I mean, it was cool to see UC Soros score, but like as somebody who I was watching it with somebody who uh, watches soccer as their primary sport. In fact, they work in soccer. Um, don't really watch a ton of hockey, but like know who the superstars are. Generally know what the rules are. Like I don't have to explain like offside or icing or the salary cap or anything like that. Like they know how that, that exists. Um, this person was like, hey, like, the skills competition, that seems cool. Like, we get to see all the best players in the league, like, show off their skills. And I had to be like, that's not really what it is. But this person wanted to watch it, so I was like, okay. Tendi Tandem comes on, and he looks at me, he's like, what's going on? And I had to be like, I genuinely, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. And, like, it wasn't, the the best part about Tendi Tandem was Sarah Nurse pulling the Forsberg. That was yes. epic. Yeah. And, like, I don't care whether Igor Shosturkin was trying or not. The fact that Sarah Nurse put effort, more effort in than, like, 90% of the people that were there, like, I'm in. Sold. Yeah, it... it. By the way, that was also a sick move, and I'm, like, I don't care what anyone has to say about that. That was sick. It was an absolutely sick move. It was awesome, like, like, stand, you know, my, my like I said, my job is to, is to cover hockey like for a living and to talk to hockey players and like legit me at the podium with uh like Sarah Nurse and specifically Hillary Knight was like a was like a straight up starstruck moment for me like that's like they are legends in their game and they were able to participate and it's awesome um I wish we could inject some of their personality and how they handle themselves in the media into like some of the guys yeah like honestly to be fair a lot of them were great there was just there were like you know a couple that Clearly no, but I mean, like, generally speaking, like, All-Star, they were great, but, like, you don't usually get that personality out of Ovechkin. You don't usually get that personality out of, like, Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. even. Or, like, Nathan McKinnon, right? Whereas, like, from Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegris, Mitch Marner, David Pasternak, you're pretty much always getting that personality. And so, for me, like, I wish that we could take, bottle up the personalities that get shown in women's hockey and like show the men that it's, it's okay to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it would go, you would be much more marketable as an athlete if you could do that. Yeah, it was, (laughs) look, it, it did. It also did like sort of jump out to me. The, just like, just the difference. Like, I know, you know, I talk to hockey players all day, but like just being there at that event, like that's supposed to be the biggest like self promotion event. 
And it's just the difference between like how NHL and NBA players carry themselves where everything was a de- every question was like like that was about, you know, you, yourself specifically was like a default to praising a teammate or a default to praising someone else or all being humble and and all that stuff, which is great, but like it just it it didn't lend to any actual entertainment. It was just wild. So, um look, the 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 thing that annoyed me too about skills competition is that they they would do one event, like one round of one event, and then move on to another one and then come back. And I know they did that because they didn't want people going like, all right, well, I'll just tune in for the hardest shot or I'll just tune in. They wanted to make keep, keep people watching. But like that made it such an indigestible product because... Oh, no, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Because the thing about that is it takes setup time in between every event and so what they would do is they would do they would they basically like quadrupled their setup time by going like all right we're going to do one heat of accuracy all right let's go to a commercial break where we have to take all the accuracy things down and then put pylons out for the fastest skater again and this that the other and then tenny tandem oh we got to set up the little goal thing on the net then it's it it's silliness let's it's, talk about fun things well rachel <laughs> There really wasn't that much fun stuff. Like I hate, I hate to break it, and like there really, there really wasn't a ton of like quirky fun stuff that went down. Okay, so then let's leave All Star Weekend. Yes, and let's go. Like, tell like, me about I, Florida Man, please. Like, because I didn't you... even get into any Florida Man stuff. I was like, working most of the time. I was also recovering from like a chest infection. Like I just sort of had started feeling better, so I didn't, I didn't really go too crazy. Like. Like me going crazy, me not going too crazy was like I had like six Miller Lights at the, at the. Uh, uh, Michael, come on! But like, media. what did you see? Like, I saw you tweet something oh, about the oh, airport. Oh. I need to know about the well, Florida just, like, man people watching. stuff that first you of all, saw. First of all, you're around Fort Lauderdale. Everyone is so hot, Rachel. <laughs> like, I felt like I I felt so out of place down there. So like, what are it, you? What are you by Fort Lauderdale standards? Oh, dude, I'm like a three. Like, I'm legitimately, like, a Fort Lauderdale 3, maybe. Like, it's, like, everyone there is tan. They're all got, they all have abs. Everyone's got bikinis. Or they're all wearing, like, or they're, you know, or dudes, like, are just, like, shirtless down there. Like, everyone is good looking. It's specifically, like, around, like, like around the beach. Like, around where, where we were, which I guess was, like, the, the Yorkville of, uh, the Fort Lauderdale. Were you near Boca Raton? I don't think so, but. Oh, I was gonna say, because Boca Raton is, like. But, like, it, but the thing, so, but, like, airports are always where, like, everyone, you know, all, all walks of humanity come, oh. come to me. And, like, I tweeted about it, but, like, I saw, I was waiting, you know, Ryan went to go, like, grab, like, a magazine or something from the plane, uh, for the plane, so. Uh, we were waiting. We were waiting for, I was just, like, guarding the bags, waiting for, waiting, waiting at the gate to go home. And I look over, and there's this dude, and he's just, like, he looked like he was asleep. He opens his eyes. You know, gets his bearings, scratches his armpit, sniffs nice. his fingers, like sniffs his fingers, and then makes the, the like hmm face, you know, like the you know that kind of face, mm. and then goes and then goes back to sleep. <laughs> oh my! And then God. on top of that, no. On top of that, I all, I then learned that this man is married. He was with his wife, so there's hope for me yet, Rachel. Oh man, I've seen some lawless stuff in florida like especially when you're driving through like rural florida Mm, the stuff that you see 
is really, really unsettling. Like, I was kind of hoping you would you were going to come back and be like, I saw a man walking in a banana hammock down the beach. Trying- See, there wasn't a ton of that. Like, there was what I will say is I saw a lot of kids on leashes. What? Like, like you know, dog like, you know, leashes. Well, you know how like parents do that, right? Where like they, no. like, their kids will just run. You don't. Kids will just run away forever. Like run away all the time when you're out in public. <laughs> so okay, I've never had to deal with that because my parents would just like whack me yeah, if I did. <laughs> but parents will literally like put their kid on like 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 they'll strap like a harness to them and put their kid on like a leash. Oh, so it's not like a dog leash. No, it's not like around the neck. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say what the but, heck. But like no, it, they'll they'll put like a harness and then attach a leash to it, and so the kid will be like running in front of them. But the parent will have a, have them on a leash and be like, Jeremy, Jeremy, slow down, <laughs> Jeremy. Or it's like Riley Chase. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. Like, okay, that Dilithin, is more understandable. Dilithin, calm down. <laughs> like you know, some some crap like that. But like it's, it's like eat it your kale. Exactly. Yes. And it was. So a lot of that, um, a lot of like, everyone's just so much more like boisterous in public. Like, like this one. I will agree with that. Yes. <laughs> like, like I remember some dude was trying to, like, we were waiting outside the, uh, uh, like outside this bar to go home. And there was this guy who had like a pizza shop next to him. And he was like, yeah, basically yelling at people to come in to, to have a slice of pizza after and be like, you want a pizza? Like, you know, oh my God. After people and stuff. It was. <laughs> But other, like other than that, I think I think I think being near like because the NHL held stuff in like the nice parts of Florida, so th- like the I didn't I didn't civilized. So I didn't get the real experience, you know. Like I didn't get the real like down to earth like Jacksonville, Florida experience, you know, where it's just it's not even that. It's like Jacksonville is actually like pretty nice. It's like when you okay, so just before COVID hit, remember when I went to Disney World? Yes. Okay. So we went and like Disney World closed like a week after we got back. But like while we were there, so we stayed in Orlando, obviously, but we decided to take the trip down to Dunedin to watch the Jays game. Mm-hmm. Um, the drive down, I saw some things that I was like, this is uh, this is Florida, man, like so much so that. There was a point where my dad was like, oh, we're just going to stop here. And both my sister and I were like, ah, no, we're not because yeah. we're women. Uh, not going to happen. And then like we went to the Dunedin Park where the Jays play and across the street was a full fledged military tank. Yeah. And I was like, why is that there? And the security guard was like, well, we need to protect the stadium. And I was like, with a tank? Mm. With a tank? Yeah, lots of uh, just lawlessness. Like, oh my god! And, yeah. and you, you know can what? imagine who the people are voting for in yeah. those areas of Florida. Didn't, and- the thing is, didn't see any crazy Trump, Trump, Trump trucks. That's a tongue twister. Um, and I didn't see any like just like unwieldy guns out in public. I guess well, everyone- Fort Lauderdale is usually like it's a pretty democratic. I think it was like eighty percent democratic in the Senate. Oh, really? Senate? Okay. Yeah, like. There's a direct correlation between educated people and people who vote Democratic and uneducated people mm. and people who vote Republican. I mean, it's either that or pe- everyone was just concealed carrying. But, you know. Like oh, it's... that's even scarier, man. Yeah. Well, speaking so of speaking of Florida stuff, um, the man who used to coach the Panthers, Andrew Burnett. Now, I didn't see this. Like, I didn't see this until later in the night. And I don't know any of the details around it. He got a re- He got. I know that he got a DUI. Yep. 
Um, yeah, he got arrested and charged with a DUI. Um, what happened? So it's actually quite interesting because somebody, and I thought this was extremely careless. Somebody just tweeted it out and there weren't any details. And this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't care if you're first. You need to be right. And you need to have details. You can't just tweet that out. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that is not something that you could tweet out. It's not, I'm hearing this person has been traded. No, 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 no. That is, it's not serious. Like, this is extremely serious. And I thought that the way that the person who tweeted this out went about it was just like, it was uh, really unprofessional, honestly. But essentially what happened... Well, that's just like tweeting out that that you're not a lip reader, but you think that Trevor Zegris said one of the most, like, un heinous things yeah like it's just but like okay so basically um here's what happened from what i can gather Mm -hmm. andrew burnett was at a bar with his golf cart i'm gonna go ahead and say where was where did this take place in fort lauderdale okay yeah so like for example like by the way, being in a golf cart on the street in Fort Lauderdale, not out of the realm, like not out of the ordinary. And that I just want to, I just want to say this: if you are going to charge every person who is driving a golf cart while drinking in Fort uh, Lauderdale, in Florida, you would have five hundred DUIs a day because I have never seen more drunk people driving their golf cart. Yeah, now than I have in Florida. So let's this just is start very there. clearly us not advocating for that though. I just want to make no, it no, no. clear: drinking and driving. I mean, you and is I the are the dumbest, both most very selfish thing public. you can ever do. Yeah, we're both very publicly like. Yeah. There's no excuse to drink and drive, especially if you are a professional coach or player. You make millions of dollars. Call a goddamn Uber. I don't exactly. care. But anyways, what happened was he parked his golf cart at the bar um, and people drive around in golf carts. That happened like literally again. Somebody called the police to be like, he's not supposed to park his golf cart here. Can you get him to move it? So they went in, they called Andrew Burnett out and they like spoke to him and he was like, OK, I'm going to go pay my like pay my bill and I will move the golf cart. Mm-hmm. So they sat there for 15 minutes like the cops exited apparently they exited the parking lot and like waited for him they gave him a parking ticket but then what they did was the second he moved the golf cart they charged him with a dui and in so in canada you can you can do that to a degree but in florida and most places in the u.s that's actually considered entrapment yeah you can't what they should have done is said you cannot move this golf cart because you have been drinking Mm-hmm. but it needs to be moved so you can get somebody else to move it, whatever the case may be. But the fact that they were like, you need to move it. And then when he did follow their instructions, they arrested him for something else is considered entrapment under Florida law. And so he actually might get off depending on like the details and the timeline. Cause like we don't have everything, but like you can't, I'm not advocating for drinking and driving at all. You also can't entrap somebody like that because that happens to people of color all the time Mm -hmm. and they end up in jail for like decades because of stuff like that. So I think that that's it's a very awful thing for the police to do. And I mean, Kel Surprise, police doing awful things. I'm shocked. Yeah. The only thing that's shocking about this story is that they did it to a white guy. Yeah. I'm surprised why they chose that. But look, it's it like it's. It's still awful. Don't drink and drive. It's obviously dumb. don't drink and drive. But like he clearly wasn't intending to do that. 
like like he although, was probably following instructions. Although man, that mugshot is yeah, real it's bad. Nice. And, and although to be fair, like so he drove his Uber or he drove his golf cart there. That likely means that he was probably going to drive it back. So yes, but he didn't. So you can't charge so him for something he was going to do. Exactly, we can't charge someone for like yeah, exactly. But like, it that's not that's it, not the it's same just thing. A, it's so. just a really bad situation all around. It's um, not great. Um, and so I wonder kind of what the he NHL could sue them. Oh yes, um, especially so um, similar to Canada. If you get overserved to charge with a DUI, you can sue them for overserving you. So yeah. that's probably happening. But I wonder what the NHL does because, I mean, he's behind the bench against the Canucks, I believe. Like, they're playing Monday night. And so, like, is there administrative leave, or does the league... They, has, it, there has shouldn't the, be administrative leave. We, we, we just saw what happened. Like, is there... Is, does the NHL have something? If not, they should. I mean, we've already talked about how they don't have a domestic violence policy, which is ridiculous. But, like, I'm, I have to think that he has spoken to somebody with the NHL to be like, this is what happened. Yeah. Because you can't have a player or staff member get arrested. I mean, like, I've seen the coaching contracts. Like, that's very much in there. So mm-hmm. I do wonder um, if the NHL maybe got the details and was comfortable with saying, like, okay, this is either entrapment or, like, eh, this is probably not going to be a thing. Versus, like, if this guy, like, if somebody, if a player or a coach was drinking and driving and, like, killed somebody like Danny Heatley did like I think we'd probably be in a different situation where that player would not be playing or that coach well I mean look what happened to Zach look what happened to Zach Cassian when he was you know Montreal Canadiens legend I mean yeah they placed him on administrative leave yeah and then they traded him immediately yeah so I think um honestly I think the most likely scenario here is that nothing comes of this but I also think it's a great argument for saying that the NHL should have some skeleton in place of what happens if a player or staff member of a National Hockey League team is, is charged with a crime. Well, you yeah. can be arrested like and go to the drunk tank. That's fine. But like, w- like if somebody gets charged with a, a non-ticket offense, like that's that should be something. Like if you have a player, um, like remember when Slava Voinov got charged? Yep. Like, there needs to be a hard and fast policy of, like, you're suspended pending investigation. And you know what? If you're found innocent, you can have all that money. But, like, we can't allow you to play... Like, what is it in the NFL, the commissioner's list? Like, Josh Sills got charged with something, and he plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was placed on the commissioner's list, which means, like, he's ineligible to play, practice, travel, anything, and the... Eagles, like, he's not on the Eagles' salary cap. Like, I think the NHL needs to have something like that, mm-hmm. where if it's deemed serious enough that you get indicted, because there's a difference between being charged and being indicted. Mm-hmm. If you get indicted, like, you should probably not be eligible to participate in NHL activities. Couldn't have said it better myself, Rachel. Well, we have reached the end of the show. We have. We have. Um, this was lovely. You guys will never know that it was split up in between two session, two recording sessions during the day because my landlord decided to barge into my apartment unannounced and can, it, with a with a member of the Toronto Fire Department to conduct a fire in a city a city induced fire inspection. 
probably because enough people complained that this building sucks. Um, but but you know you can actually like you can file a complaint about that, right? Oh, and I will. Okay. <laughs> I will. Be I'm just saying you're allowed complaint. to do that. Like they have to give you 24 hours notice. They can't just there show is, up. Okay, there is a sign out front, but they did say that it was supposed that they were doing it at one, and it was like 11:30 when they did. So that is. Okay, so yeah, you might have some leeway there, but like, just generally speaking, like, your landlord cannot just barge into your apartment. That's not how that works. (laughs) Exactly. So, on that note, Rachel, I will bid you farewell until I see you tomorrow when we record our lovely uh, Hockey News Action podcast. Um, If you want to listen to this, you know, this, this podcast, past episodes, current episodes, whatever, of this podcast or any other podcast... On the Hockey News Network, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. You can find them all there. Um, See you later this week.